If you're listening to this on the audio-only podcast, I urge you to watch this on either our YouTube channel or Spotify, as you not only get to see Andrew Lincoln and Anai Gurira, you'll get to witness this lovely featurette that we created last week, teasing this video, reacting to The Walking Dead, The Ones Who Live Q&A at the 92nd Street Y, moderated by Dalton Ross, featuring Andrew Lincoln, Denai Gurira, and Scott M. Gimple, moderated by Entertainment Weekly's Dalton Ross. Without further ado... podcast pulverizing episodes beyond the walking dead universe i take the main screen i'm your host david cameo starting off on a good foot already and i'm joined by bridget ko-fi.com slash punky brewster that's p-u-n-k-y-b-r-u-i-s-e-t-e-r and of course we invited our special friend our taller special friend thomas omera at celtic tso on all the social medias i'm glad you were able to come on thomas was kind enough to join us last minute we scheduled this last minute, by the way. We were like, oh, we say we're going to do this thing. We thought like 8 o'clock, but then we didn't want to interfere with other streams like Relishing the Dead, who's going to be on at 8. And today we're here with you live to react to the 92Y, The Walking Dead, The Ones Who Live Q&A, conducted by Dalton Ross, featuring Denai Guerrera, Andrew Lincoln, and Scott Gimple. So yeah, we just wanted to, to react and see you guys another night. And Tom and I were there last week live, and I can tell you personally, the energy watching this, the first episode with everybody in the theater was insane. Frankie Quinones made, made us laugh, and there were just really, really great, great moments in the Q&A that you'll see right now, but also during the episode was pretty, pretty amazing. So Tom, before we get started with the watch, what were your takeaways? I know you were sick. By the way, you're feeling pretty awful. No, I, didn't, I actually didn't start feeling sick till after. Oh, okay, okay. Tell them why you might you got sick. Because I'm stupid. I had three friends, Brandy, Brandy, and Marcia. Two came from Texas. One came from Washington State. 
just for a day, just to go to this premiere. And they had never met Andrew Lincoln. So who has? They wanted to meet Andy. And I said it wouldn't be that crowded. We could probably go a little later in the day and get there before he comes in. But they wanted to be safe. So we got there around one o'clock and Andy didn't show up till about seven ten. To be clear, you were you guys were waiting by the stage doors where they were gonna enter right at some point before the show. Outside. 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 Freezing so cold. It it was cold. It wouldn't have been as bad if we weren't in the shade, but there was like an overhang, so we were covered. I mean, I was good most of the day by six thirty ish. It kind of plunged a little I, bit. It started to hit me. Like I started to get really cold. Then oh, I finally came and Andy showed up at about 7.15 or so. How far apart were they uh, entering? Probably about 15, 20 minutes. Okay. By the time Andy came along, it's like, oh, we can go now. Scott, he can he can find his way in. So. Honestly, <laughs> I forgot Scott was even going to be there. <laughs> I think, no, actually Scott came with Andy. Oh, okay, okay. Scott was just standing around taking pictures of Andy as he talked to all of us. By the way, one might think I'm get, I'm lending pot shots at uh, Scott mm, 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 Gimple, but actually I'm a big fan of Scott Gimple. By the way, so I know oh, I you got it signed. You can't see it because of the glare, but Andy, explain. Andy signed the gold Rick Grimes pop figure. He actually held it for a minute or so because he was looking at it. He had never seen the gold one. I have a question for you guys. Since I was going to fly last minute to go and then was like, this is too expensive. No, I can't do it. <laughs> this is, I can't do 300 for a ticket to New York. It's ridiculous. Right. Well, imagine what it was from Washington State. I think they're actually a little cheaper. Just because no, there's no, more. No? No, I know, no. What, I know what she paid. Oh, and man. the flights from Raleigh to New York are normally about 100. So it was three times what I normally would have paid, which is why I was like, mm, I just can't swing it. But The one way or the two, or two ways? round trip wow it's okay. a non-stop flight mm. from rdu so anyway my question was was there swag no no, no. okay See, i had a I feeling that would out. be the case okay. I, okay I thought there would be i thought that, i thought they I would have be something. like a bag or something well 92 y is more like a they host tons of q a's uh philosophical discussions culture you know yeah, so. but i think amc amc dropped the ball they should have had something i don't know <laughs> if they had anything at the la one either well, the LA one was the red carpet. That was the main big one. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't know if they gave out anything there. They usually don't, don't let those. Yeah. Because that's usually just that's usually mainly just cast that goes. But I don't know if any of you have seen some of the folks who got some recognition on social media. Folks like Kirsten Akuna and I think Sarah Beth mentioned this. The people that got sent the package. Yeah, the chocolate the oh, it was yeah, actually the PR. And even Johnny Five's Alive, by the way, he sent me in a in a DM before he he posted it himself, just for his edits. They were like thanking him for all the years of yeah. I sent keeping... I sent AMC a message after I saw all those, wondering <laughs> where my where and when my chocolate was going to be coming. Yeah, well, be careful what you say because they might actually do it. But yeah, it was a it was basically a box of chocolate that was made out of chocolate, by the way. Oh, and, I didn't and they know gave him a little hammer to crack it open. Oh too. yeah, yeah, I did see the hammer. And inside were more chocolates and other things and, and stuff, stuff and things. They should have given them a little, either a little axe or a little uh, katana. By the way, yeah, Rachel, yes, that's what Jamie Joe got as well. But I think they also got like a free year of AMC Plus, I think, 
as well or some something sort of, like that yeah, yeah. There, it was an amc plus thing as well yeah as well oh you mean they didn't get sent a 20 dollars gift certificate that you have to use but only if you spend 300 dollars at the amc right. store it's like a 10 15 off 50 dollars or Bridget, more. Ten, you love those ten dollars right? off of a purchase of fifty dollars or more right it's Just a gift card people. no yeah that's that's a coupon yeah that's, that's a, cu- a fancy coupon you that's print a fancy it on coupon <laughs> says the Cindy couponer. says tell them to send some to me yeah what a nice valentine's day gift yeah well you know you should tell <laughs> by the way you should tell king ezekiel to send you the, to himself he'll be like yeah we have a ton of these <laughs> also i could send you some teen titans merch and some some stuff from Invincible because he does almost all the vo- half the voices on Invincible. By the way, he does a lot of voice acting. Kari Payton. I still have three of these. <laughs> I gave mine away. I have one. I've yeah, just I have mine. one now too. Yeah. All right. Well, I think it's time. Do you have any more questions? By the way, from the audience and Bridget, do you have any questions also from for us? No, I think. It? I mean, I just want to know what the panel. To answer the main question, I think, why am I here? It's because they were desperate and they really needed somebody to fill time. We needed more color commentary. And look at the colors. By the way, is everybody seeing this? What's going on over here? I I did that specifically for this show. (laughs) It's like a fire. And like, I'm in hell and Thomas is in hell. Wait, this way, actually. And Bridget's just in darkness. (laughs) My old friend. Okay, so I'm going to turn on the screen share so you all can see stuff. See, oh, look, Rachel's already you, nice. Bridget, you look lovely. I'm glad you're feeling better. Yeah. I am. I'm finally not sick. I mean, I have a headache Ra- now. Rachel, what about me? Other than that, I'm good. No, Rachel's going to be she like, yeah, you're burning in hell with Dave. She didn't tell you. You always look beautiful, so she didn't have to tell you. Well, yeah. Oh, she's sending me pictures. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> Pink hair lady. I can't show that one. Oh, stop <laughs> sure it. Sure you can. It's Rachel. God, this is so weird. I was sitting over on the left and Thomas was in the center. That's Dave screaming. <laughs> that little whistle, that's me. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> you can literally see this in our featurette from a different angle. <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to our conversation with the uh, stars and creators of The Walking Dead, The Ones Who Live, which premieres this Sunday, February 25th on AMC and AMC+. And just so you know, like, just this is a good reminder as any, uh, not only are Denai and Andy the stars of the show, they're executive producers, uh, Denai directed episode, directed and uh, wrote episode four uh, of the series. And there's some other things that will be revealed here that we've been holding close to the vest. That will be revealed in the Q&A, which I will get to, but here we go. Yeah. Don't do it. Don't do it, Andy. Uh, I am Dalton Ross from Entertainment Weekly, and I am joined up here by the ultimate power trio who put the show together. Please give it up for Walking Dead Chief Content Officer Scott Gimple and stars Denai Guerrera and Andrew Lincoln. I would say to give him a hand, but you know. Uh, speaking of, we should just say spoilers for the first episode. Give him a hand. <laughs> if you've seen the first episode, you'll know what he's talking about. <laughs> we have to do our due I, diligence. I was gonna say. So originally, this was supposed to be accessible to anybody who purchased this online. Okay, so at the time, 
I purchased this online. I was like, Dave, I'm not coming to New York. Don't worry. I'm not going to take up your guest room for a day. I'm going to stay at home and I'm going to, and I will live stream while you're there. I'll live on the stream condition. on Squawking Dead as long as you bring me any swag. And so, and you broke so that promise. I purchased, I purchased this and immediately, like I was given the receipt. And then maybe an hour or two later, they came out and said, it's not going to be available for stream at the time that we said it would. It'll be available the next week, Monday. Well, they couldn't because it would spoil the episode. If you're just streaming this, you wouldn't well, have seen the episode. I don't think the intention was originally for that to happen. But I also heard that at the panel that they did for the episode in L.A., Andy actually spoiled some stuff. So I yeah, think he almost preemptively did they were like, "Let <laughs> never mind. Andy's gonna be here, so like, let's not, yeah, let's Andy, not, because he he might spoil Andy isn't stuff. good with stuff like that. Because I know when uh, the hundredth episode happened, Addie Miller was playing the Walker that resembled her as a kid in the pilot, and, and they would not tell. They did not tell Andy that he was doing it because they thought he would he would spoil it for people. <laughs> Meanwhile, I think it flew. Under the radar for most people, that callback to the Teddy Bear Girl Walker in the gas station in the first in the first episode of season eight, the hundredth episode. Which it's a good segue. You all were very fortunate to see this episode early before anyone else in the entire world, which is super cool. So you know a lot. You know a lot. But what we want to do is we want to preserve that experience. For everyone not in this room. Whoops. So I'm, we're asking you all to please be cool. Did he do Don't New York Comic Con? Yes, he did New York Comic Con as well. For okay. the um, walking like, to Daryl Dixon. Yes, okay. I was like, I recognize this guy, but I can't. Yeah, which we covered as well, by the way. Now I have to include a link. Did God, he, do, did he do the Invincible? No. No, that was a woman. Oh, okay. Because yes. he's, done, he's, done he's done a lot of the Pally Fest ones. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, and you know what? Credit where credit is due. Dalton does the work he's got a pretty critical lens he's a little bit on the harsher end of the critic scale when it comes to the walking dead but really because i mean if you look at his twitter bio his picture is of him as a walker and it's been like that for years so he <laughs> loves these shows you know he's he's been on the beat for for many years so kudos to him now, i may not agree with him all the time because I, I love everything but <laughs> spoilers uh you can tell everyone what you thought of the show but keep you know the details between all of us in this room appreciate that now you got that out of the way yeah. all right thank you for coming thank you for being here thank you for being here everybody who made it let's have some fun there's a lot to get into there's a lot to get into and what i want to talk with you guys about a lot is just sort of the journey of how we got here because it was a long journey i think a lot longer scott than than most people even really realize in terms of charting this this course and this story. So I know you started putting the building blocks together as far back as season six or seven of The Walking Dead. So how much of what we just saw here is similar to what you started working on then? Talk, let's start talking about the evolution of what came The Ones Who Live. Well, we had to build this, uh, this mythology that was not directly part of the show, that was sort of existing in the background. And I was of a mind to be very deliberate about it and to really, really fill it out, even though we weren't 100% committed to it. The only points where we really started to get committed to it was when Rick started seeing helicopters. I'm not talking about the In season eight. First episode. Um, but was directly inspired by the first episode. Which, but yeah, so I say season eight, but when we started podcasting, Carol 
lost her damn mind. OG Squawk and D. Carol G. And there's a couple of other nuggets he's going to mention as well. Hey, Sharon D. Hello. There you go. Hello, this. And then, you know, there were little hints. You saw a symbol on a can. That- Which we also pointed out, and everybody thought I was crazy. Jadis pulls out a can of peaches in season eight, just after her whole colony is wiped out. On the top, there is the Boromian rings, representing who knew at the time. But I lost my mind. Carol thought I was crazy, even me talking about it. And I was like, no, there's a symbol on top of the cans. It definitely means something. She's like, I don't know about that, but the helicopter is something we should look at. Later on, when we heard that Andy was leaving the show, she goes, oh, that helicopter, beating out some people who said they said it first, which we won't talk about. Anyway. Jadis drank out of if people were really scouring the background of a couple of the episodes there's one of the heaps where you see a little helipad that's what she pointed out in the background that people did not make much there's lots of people yeah i could hear some people made much but isn't the whole crowd took everything in my power Um, not to sit to like when we i mean then we got really far down the line let me backtrack i was getting a feeling that andy's time on the show was not super long and then we started having discussions and my whole dream was even if andy stopped being on the show we could still tell stories with rick grimes and that's when that mythology started to come together and then we committed to that mythology with episode 905 when rick went off in that helicopter and a lot of those little threads that we were planning in season seven eight and nine came together started to sprout now it was the same now i just want to ask before we continue because we've seen the CRM on Fear, on World Beyond, etc. And of course, the tiny bit of it that we've gotten on The Walking Dead. So far, those of us who've watched these shows, what is your impression of the CRM? Was it a good move? Has it been particularly impactful? Let's start with Sharon D. By the way, we have to do this just so we don't get dinged. <laughs> I came into the show kind of backwards, as every you know people know. And like the CRM stuff Some was people. kind of retrofitted for me, you know, because I saw the CRM stuff and then went back and watched and learned about it. I think it was pretty much the same, by the way. Well, I'd heard people talk about the Commonwealth and stuff, and I was like the common. I thought they were the same thing for a while because I didn't, you know, I just didn't we know because did. I hadn't been in it. So, but to me, it's like there's just like a, a military dictatorship is what it is, especially after what we learned in the last episode, where once you're in, you can't leave out, you know, it's like, it's the Hotel California of the apocalypse, you know, you can check in, but you can't check out. <laughs> Just in terms of like versus not like, though, like, is, do you think it was a smart move? Do, have you well, I mean, it's, been it's a way to, the threads? I like it's a, it's a way, like you said, a way to join everything together, a way to pull everything together. All these different shows that are, are different parts of the universe. It is a way to consolidate everything. But... The incessant CRM, CRM, oh, CRM, and then nobody talks about anything else. Oh, it's a CRM. That gets really old to me. There's other ties you can make. It it isn't all the CRM. If John Dory were in the CRM, Blazy would be all over the CRM. (laughs) Well, when's the CRM showing up again? (laughs) Well, we need more CRM. (laughs) He was obviously an A, and they sent him to be turned into a walker, so he wouldn't even be in the CRM. He's an A. Right. He'd be dead. Right. Sent out to die. Thought for yeah. himself. People followed John because he was a leader, and they would have done away with him. Rest in I peace. I think he was a follower. See, I was going to say something like that, too, but Morgan, but Morgan not, was the leader. But what I'm saying is people would follow John, though. You know, yeah. I'm not saying that he went off and did his own thing, but if he had, he would have. people would have 
followed John. They flocked to John. He was very charismatic and drew people to him, which is also a an A. That's funny because June, June didn't follow him when he was driving away from her. Where's my soundboard? Walking Dead Eternal, Jermaine says, uh, June joins the CRM, lol, I'm kidding. But actually, she has a pattern. And she's right. If there's safety and she can have an effect, she might join some shady, nebulous thing to for the greater good. As much but, as uh, I would like, I, as much as I would love to see Jenna show up and be in the CRM and whatnot. Holy crap. The thing is, June wouldn't go into another situation where she can't control what's going. Like she wouldn't let herself be put into another um, yet another settlement, and another FEMA camp, and another dam, and like another, another tower, and another. Yeah, she's not going to let herself be put in that situation again. If she does show up, she has to have Jadis's haircut. <laughs> you know a what? Nice bowl, pay, bowl cut. Pay no, to see that. She's got to have Sam's haircut. <laughs> Sam, wait, which which is Sam? Sam? Sam Anderson? Sam and I know Bridget has a lot to say about that. Well, Tom, Tom, what do you think about the CRM so far? Just from all these years, I think it's too early to tell. I mean, you've seen little snippets here, like even in in fear. What what did you get about the CRM? You just had Isabel and maps. Yeah, I mean, there wasn't there wasn't and the a lot two in idiots, fear. the two idiots that Al took out with the cannon, which oh, which was wow. the best part of, of that episode. Right, there wasn't a lot in the Walking Dead show itself. There wasn't a lot right. in fear. None, um, almost. I mean, the world beyond was basically full of it. But I mean, honestly, I didn't think the world beyond was all that great of a show. I just you watched for the info. I think we'll find out a lot more by the next five episodes but if it's like this first episode i'm fine with it because that this episode was great we got way more than even i mean we, you got the culture in world beyond but we're inside the walls for the most part which we only mm -hmm. got to see in, in world beyond episode. we were centered in an outpost for the most part we did see the little bit when kublek was wherever in well philadelphia i guess we know now but and in the the post Right, we did get Credit that little scene. bit, but the majority of the world beyond was either traveling or in an outpost of the CRM. So we didn't get mm -hmm. the real CRM. We got right what what they were seeing. Just wait yeah. till Silas and Tobias show up. <laughs> They're gonna be partners in in one of these episodes. <laughs> okay, Agent Ray... Clompers and Agent Fupa. Anyway, Ray. Oh no, Ray shared. Her opinion, she said that she likes that she, it's a thread trying tying everyone together, a common enemy for our characters. Right. Yeah, but who cares what Rachel thinks? Where's Rachel now? Yeah, she's yeah, she work. has no voice except she's for the one work. we give her. Not an excuse. <laughs> she says. She also says to be. If she's fair, working. How is she, she typing? She's. Oh, she's a slow off. day. Yeah. To be she, fair, June was in she front was of John on that job. road. That's right. That's what uh, Ra Rachel says. I love right, you, Rachel. Right. I'm only kidding. And Jermaine says, Jadis be rocking that chili bowl hairstyle. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Like, da like I was going to say Dafka, like, you know, Hebrew, but like chili bowl. It's just specifically chili bowl. I don't know. It just has an image. So here's the thing. Kismet always, right? I happen to be reading a series currently about an EMP hitting North America and like the yeah. consequences of that so anyway it's called the going home series it's interesting i'm like three books in and the crm and the civic republic as a whole it does resemble what writers would assume would happen in north america should 
the world end, essentially, because the government is going to scramble to try to, like, maintain power. Or somebody is. (laughs) Well, there's going to be a power vacuum. Either way. So the army's going to try. Probably some other agency of the government will try. And then there will be the small people in local areas that'll become powers. Small like Dave? Ideally. Or or just common people? Just common people. Oh, okay. Like Commoners. The Alexandrias. We we can't be taken over by a bunch of Daves. (laughs) I wouldn't want to be taken over by a bunch of Daves. (laughs) Knock evolution back a while. Knock evolution back a ways. I say this form is the perfect form. (laughs) Listen. I think it's interesting that the show is following this pattern because it's just realistic given the situation. Is it realistic that an entire city is hidden in Philadelphia? I don't know about that. But the concept that there would be some form of like paramilitary organization that was trying to maintain civility, whatever that means, by essentially strong arming your citizens into working for you, because how else can you operate? Right, right. If you don't have people who work for you. Now, I think most of the time you can get people who would just do that freely because they don't want to be on the outside and they don't want to deal with that anymore. And they would happily take air conditioning and ice cream and all the other stuff. Which they kind of explained in the first episode, too. Yes. With uh, Esteban is the best character. Obviously. He's great. Frankie Quinones. Yeah. (laughs) I'm so glad he's still alive. Anyway. I'm moving, we can move back to it. I just think it's really interesting because it's it's kind of a concept that not just the series I'm going through now, but really if you think about any like dystopian post-apocalyptic story, it's going to have that situation where the government is going to try to maintain power in some way. And it's usually by strong arming citizens into staying where they want them. Invoking like emergency powers and then expanding on those emergency powers, et cetera. Well, martial like law. A- Marshall, there you go. Okay. Marshall, well, so one of the things we learned from World Beyond itself, we actually looked at the newspaper that was in the the particular episode in season two. And we have this info in our blog, by the way. One of the things we learned is that the Civic Republic, they draft this, and to credit to the Civic Republic, they draft this charter that the Civic Republic military would take over the government for a period of 10 years. That 10 years is up or has been up at least mm, by the yeah, time. Yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. And the whole situation was that, you know, it's time for Major General Beale to step down from the government and to transition the government from the civic public military over to the civic public. But by the end of World Beyond, you get the feeling that it seems like he's about to step down. But all of a sudden, because of a terror attack in, in the mm-hmm. north, it seems like he's staying in power. He's like invoking some emergency power. Something to keep in mind. Like, this, is, this is why World Beyond is not important to watch, but it's fun to get that information as a backdrop for the series because you're dealing with this now. And maybe what Okafor talks about in the first episode with respect to changing the civic republic, maybe Okafor saw that he wasn't about to step down and said, maybe there's, we have to reform in some way the CR. These are tangents for tomorrow. Exactly. But I just want to say, I disagree. I think you have to watch World Beyond. Anyway, Heather, time <laughs> is a flat circle because. That's the dumbest thing. Hi, Heather. But we're gonna say it. <laughs> Just like the flat earth, right? It's from it's from True Detective. <laughs> but oh, hi, okay. Heather. Flavia's the way that she left the show. And deny. Even those plans I was working with Angela to sort of steer that in the direction 
of just the very manner in which she left. So it was, it was many years. And then after that, the sort of sequencing of those stories got changed by the medium of television changing, the medium of films changing, and the pandemic. It was six, seven years of thinking. And so, Andy, for you, I mean, I've, I've been there. I've watched you work on set. It's intense. And, you know, the question I was going to ask is why come back? Because you've been through a lot. Not just this character. You, as an actor, have gone through a lot playing Rick Grimes for a long time. What made you want to come back for more? Well, I mean, there were lots of reasons, but I kept bumping into people on the street and going, <laughs> when are you coming back? <laughs> That's why. So that was a big incentive. But also it was, it was left unfinished, you know, and as I've always said, it's the most important and brilliant job and part, and I get to work with old friends. We've known each other for the, you know, 10 years, 12 years since it started. And I just thought it was, there was unfinished business. And then Deny is your sister, wasn't it? She's my sister, yeah. Your sister just said, it's get Rishon back. He says Rishon Let's shippers. Let's sort this out. He says Rishon. Let's get them back. And get these two people back in a space together and see what happens. Well, she's a bit more. Listen, I don't disagree, by the way. <laughs> like, I'm not a shipper, but I, I pay good money to see that. Rashon sounds so much classier in his accent, although his accent is freaking me out a little bit. Right. My wife is my choice. Like, like it, it definitely beats anger grimes. <laughs> yeah, she talks. Yeah, she's she's like, like, of course you have to finish it. You proposed it, finish it. Yes. <laughs> it's like a mother. Both characters left the show in a way that promised more story. If Rick went off in that helicopter and that was it, we would be in trouble. Yes. Uh, I was thinking originally this story was supposed to be just Rick and it was supposed to be three movies. It was planned out before Denai even left the show. Right, when they were planning, when they were talking about him leaving and then they did the teaser thing, they teased it as a feature film by Universal. And it was going to be three two-hour films of Rick Grimes's story. There was no Rashawn in it. But yeah, between the pandemic and even them probably tooling around how they're going to finish The Walking Dead, I think they quickly realized that one feature film or three feature films would be too long a wait to get the story to viewers, I think. so. Well, except we've waited six years anyway. Right. But we didn't get anything. So I'm liking what we're getting like Dead City. And I think also the reason why they didn't want to do this with this project was that with them branching out in Dead City, Daryl Dixon, Book of Carol, uh, and then this, it allows them to branch out organically and give people a steady stream of content. And there'll be a season, there'll be a season two. Right. And leveraging AMC Plus as well in that library. Do you think that the success of Disney's model where they release shows that are in the universe, the Star Wars universe, that are six to ten episodes and usually focus on one particular character, and that was so Mm -hmm. successful, do you think that is also why AMC decided to go this route? While it's still under the Disney umbrella, I actually think that the success of all of this is heavily reliant on the Marvel universe and that model. Yeah, Uh... I could agree with that. It came first in terms of like creating everything in a universe that then had its own spinoffs. Yeah, but I think Marvel oversaturated badly. It did. All the it new did. Marvel stuff isn't doing as well. If you take those lessons and then expand on them and, and pick the good parts of that and 
leave the rest. I mean, do you feel like we're getting oversaturated with the Dead City and the... No, right? I think they uh, they knew this long ago they were going to do this because once The Walking Dead ended, they wanted... they need AMC needed more. AMC really didn't have... doesn't have much. Yeah, especially yeah. after the, break, the Breaking Bad yeah. universe ended too, which True. was their other was their other big cornerstone. People outside of this have said that it is oversaturated. Well, I mean, I saw a I meme mean, that was like, in the year 2036, somebody's going to have to watch 172 movies to understand the new Marvel movie that's coming out, you know? Right. <laughs> right. And not appreciate the, the actual thing. Mm. Yeah. To your point, Charity, I agree. I think Disney had a really great model with both franchises and was able to... I think AMC can kind of model themselves after that, but it also, because it laid the groundwork before everybody else, nobody has to follow exactly what they've done. I think they really did kind of change the market in terms of how to set up like a successful universe. See, I think they would have been better off if they had done, like after The Walking Dead ends, have a season of Dead City with Negan and Maggie, then have a season with Father Gabriel and Aaron, then have a season of whatever daryl with connie well then wouldn't wouldn't they fall into the same trap though i mean that's the same trap as the marvel universe in a sense yeah just like give me that dividing it amongst different (laughs) characters so you're getting different stories completely it's kind of like true detective they'll have a new series and it's a completely different story might even have different actors that may or may not connect to the universe essentially it didn't work out that well for them for a lot of those Uh, which by the way if you're interested in true detective bridget had broken is it done it's not over yet right it's over oh it's over okay just just finished right true Mm -hmm. detective uh night country yeah you've been breaking that that down fourth season yep it's over on my channel uh youtube.com slash at punky brewster was it no good it was it was okay. It's underwhelming. Can you ever top Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson? Right. No, never, never, never. And never, I, ever. I didn't even bother to watch the other ones because I, there's no way you're going to beat that pairing. Yeah. But I mean, I've, I've heard Madison some and Morgan good reviews. <laughs> Madison and Morgan. Madison and Morgan would beat that for you, Sharony. In Heather, nuclear Heather liked it. I didn't hate it. I liked it. But it's just, it's. I've been talking a lot about how like it wasn't a show that grabbed me so much that I couldn't stop thinking about it like Walking Dead did or like Silo did. Oh yeah, Silo like sure. drove me insane. I like um, had to watch the next episode. We got to we got to break that like down. Silo? No, I loved Silo. Oh, I'm just oh, saying insane. like there's a difference between like a show that I cannot get out of my head that I have to see the next episode of and me just feeling like this was good but I'll never watch it again. And big mistake was. <laughs> talk about the the show model and mikey and when we talked to him said satrazimus the long form show is dead people aren't going to do that anymore the big ensemble show you mean right but well i'm talking about the long form show where you have 20 20 episodes a season oh gotcha tv mm-hmm. is going more towards the streaming model which is six to ten episodes a season higher production quality but shorter seasons is uh, where yeah. is where we're going yeah, I mean, with more room to explore character, which, you know, th- yeah, it's good and bad, right, Tom? It's Six six episodes is too short for a season. Well, I think... With, Unless they're two-hour episodes. 
<laughs> I think right. I think 10 is really the sweet spot. Yeah, Game of Thrones did 10 until the last few seasons, and that was enough that it kept you watching, you know, and by the time you didn't have to wait as long for it to come back around again. Right, but we all know that the, I think this is a Walking Dead formula. Walking Dead formula, all, all those series start out with six episodes. Fear, yeah, TWD, uh, not necessarily World Beyond, but they knew that was going to be a um, limited series. And it was better that fear ended with 12. I, we, I think we all disagree because then we would have had Sarah Rabinowitz otherwise. So, yeah, sure. which we know, found out. Did. But you know what? Let's continue. The way that Michonne leaves the show, I mean, I'll just say the reason that we cast the actors that we did, that Michonne interacts with, they were on the screen for like 20 seconds and they're both fantastic actors. Her pet walkers? There was, you know, we wanted to tell more story and we were committed to. There was no way Were they talking about the pet walkers or the, the YouTuber and... Fulfilling oh, story. you mean Brita Wool and um, no, uh, King were, Batch. So you were trapped is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Choiceless. <laughs> were there ever discussions way back and Andy, you started thinking like, all right, you know, I need to take a, a break or I need to sort of get back to my family, which I know was a huge consideration for you. I love that he and asked this. Were there ever any discussions about Rick not making out of The Walking Dead Alive? Yes. I don't remember, actually. <laughs> but uh, I... <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. There's like a heckler in the audience. <laughs> was that you, Tom? <laughs> no, that was not me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he, he yells out. I don't know if you can hear it. He says it. Typical. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember. Typical well, Andy. Andy. Andy never remembers anything. I don't blame him, but I, I remember at the time he he was. I, but he also doesn't talk, watch. Yeah, he doesn't watch it. Well, which we'll get to in right. this Q and A. But yeah, he never remembers. He never watches the show. I remember when they were talking about it at the time. He was very interested in leaving the show. Didn't matter how. So. <laughs> And he'll talk. It was Norman. Rachel right? says, no, this is obviously a New Yorker. He's just terrific. He's like a New York accent, too. He'll talk for five minutes, and then he'll turn to the guy that asked him the question and be like, I don't know, what was the question? <laughs> exactly. He'll dance around it. Every like, interview I've seen him do, I think he's done that. <laughs> oh, by the way, Heather wanted to thank you, Thomas, for sharing. Uh, yeah, HBO. Oh, yeah. Government, now you know where to go. But uh, I think See, that's a New York crowd. Yeah, here we go. I don't remember, but... I remember being at the prison and, and you getting a sort of exit strategy, you know, probably in season, when was that, four or five? The <laughs> that was four. Strategy. Four. Three, four. And just said, and I said, I think eight. If people still watch it, eight sounds like a good number. And then I remember coming to Comic-Con. Many of you may have been there. <laughs> yeah. Not New York, the other one. Whoa. <laughs> um, Kudos. Kudos. Too early. But I remember going to Comic-Con and being with everybody, and there was a point at which I just thought, actually, I can't leave yet. I just miss it, and I, and I don't think I was ready. And we spoke, and Normski and all the, all the crew just... It just, it just didn't feel right, <laughs> and so we did nine. And then I came home, and because we were able to front load it, it I was able to run it by and sign it off with my, my wife and my children. Now my children don't care that I'm... <laughs> My, my daughter said to me, she's 16, and she just went, Papa, I love you, don't get cancelled. <laughs> <laughs> Future Still TV away. exec sounds like Yeah. <laughs> but yes, what was the question? <laughs> there you go. Tonight, what was it like on the Walking Dead set once Andy wasn't there anymore? He was the heart of that show. He was Rick Ryan. Oh, it was fine. <laughs> yeah. We were fine. Blessed relief. He was an idiot. 
I was like, now I get to, no, no, okay. <laughs> um, no, 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 it was, it was, it was fine, but it wasn't fine. It was like, you know, that we definitely, you know, one, one of the actresses said to me, she's like, what, what are we like, you know, the patients are running the asylum or like, you know, it was kind of that you sort of feel that sort of like he helmed it. So you, you definitely feel that helming missing and that the heart of it missing. But the good thing is you have the understanding of what the culture that was built up through his leadership was very much intact. And he, he said to me as he was leaving, though he gets scared of me saying this near Norman, he said to me when he was leaving, he was like, now go lead. <laughs> and I was like, well, what? what? No, 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 I didn't sign up for that. <laughs> you know, um, and then the, the, the line producer said it to me as well. He was like, I'm looking to you now. And I'm like, what? No, what? No, no, no. Come back, please. You know, um, so because he, he just helmed that. So it, it seemed just who he was and effortless. And so the truth is you did know what the culture was to uphold. The love of the cast and the crew, retaining that familial respect and love because then retaining that feeling that we love to come do this every day. And that's something that he had built up so beautifully. So, and it was just a, such an egoless zone. We come in there, everybody gets in it and everyone respects everyone's job equally. The great thing, the testament to his leaving was that that was never lost. It was retained. Yeah. And how do you... Uh, so one thing, when we did the panel with Beast Mode and Y, the actor who plays Cal, James Chen, he mentioned the same thing. Andy basically set the tone. He welcomed everybody on set and uh, kind of gave everybody the room to kind of do their thing, but like just definitely set. He was like the general on set. He basically was Rick Grimes and stuff like that. So that's, that's kind of what they're referring to, but also leading the charge on making everybody feel welcome and giving deference to cast and crew and, and credit, setting the stage for, for a TWD family. So I think it's a very, very important part of the show. Even say further than that, the culture of The Walking Dead that Andy was so critical a part of, because so many people on that show worked on all the other shows, that culture spread to all the other shows yeah. we did. And that kind of respect, that kind of... It, and it started with this dude. And I would say the end of The Walking Dead, the coda that we made that was Rick and Michonne is definitely a message just about The Walking Dead show itself, about how the contributions of the people on the show affected people that they didn't even wind up meeting on all these other shows and through all these other people. True story. So the crew are a huge part of it. It's rare that you get 200 people working all the way through nine, 10 seasons, isn't it? And that core crew, you know, Deej, God rest his soul, and Purvis and other great people that were the sort of pirates on that show. You used to love going to work. And when Deej gave it, called out, Deej you know. Deej was our uh, focus puller, a puller. mountain of a man. Mountain of a man, incredible presence. He would say the lights cracking when the sun was setting because it was perfect light. And you knew that everybody was just firing. It was so exciting. We were shooting uh, the episode Clear with uh, both of these. <laughs> <laughs> Written by Scott. Oh, this is a real Walking Dead fan. Oh, yeah. I like this. Oh, yeah. When when he said this last week in LA, when we were at the TCA, the, the, critics, or, the critics Association, oh, I, I, was like, it I was like, oh, they don't know what clear is. <laughs> Season three, episode were, twelve, and, and this is a this is an episode of the show. Uh, <laughs> no, anyway, anyway. In, their, in their defense, they've been locked in a room. It was like a social experiment for two weeks, no. just yeah. looking at panels, and they weren't allowed to clap, were they? No, <laughs> that's what they told that's, us. That's what, that's what they told me. Anyway. Not a New York crowd. <laughs> yeah. Okay, 
we're so far away from the story, but I'm still going to fulfill sorry, it. Sorry. But we're shooting that episode. It was, a, it was a hard day. Some people weren't getting along. You guys were great. It was other people. And, and, uh, and Diva Lenny. And, and Deej, this <laughs> giant focus puller with this gravelly voice. People are not cooperating, and he just screams to the crew, Fingers on the trigger, people! <laughs> and the entire crew went silent, and you heard action. Yeah, yeah. Well, because he didn't talk often. No. So when you heard Deej, it was a moment. Yeah. And it's time to pay attention. The, the last thing I'll say about Deej I love learning this. Ne never acted a day in his life, was a being of pure charisma with his titleist visor. <laughs> Some of the crew was really pushing for him to play the governor. <laughs> mm. um, that would have been but David Morrissey won out, so anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Different universe. Andy and I are, are not just stars of this, and they're not just executive producers, they're creators and visionaries of this show with Scott. I mean, it, like intimately involved with every aspect, every aspect of this production. So the three of you go back. We've got tons of history together at this point. Tell me what it was like crafting the story. How did you all do it? What was the communication like? What happened when there was a debate or a disagreement? Uh, deny, walk me through that. Uh, yeah, well, um, huh. well, it all began, no. So when we were like in, we'd meet up in like, like hotel conference rooms when we were all in the same city and we just start to craft and, and it actually, we were pretty clear on it. There was a lot of, as he was saying, there's a lot that he'd already built up of the CRM and of that mythology and those aspects. And there was a lot of things that, you know, the idea of what had happened to Rick was already stirring between Andy and, and Gimple and then when there was a different form it was gonna take. And then we came into this form of six episodes and then I got more involved. And so there was, there was a lot that we already had banked, but then it was, okay, now how do we arc six episodes? What is the story? And I think the thing that was interesting for me was, I don't know if it was because I was the only girl in this trio or what. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I had to like pinpoint constantly to my compadres here that it was a love story. Okay, I want to pause there because that was what I was referring to yesterday when Sharon was complaining about the dream sequences. And I'm like, this is it. This is why they included these sequences uh, and a whole handful of other things. They wanted the emphasis of the story to be the love story. Well, you know, he doesn't have motivation otherwise. What is Rick's motivation if it's not? The love story of getting back to his wife and his family. Well, they want the series. They wanted the series to be. You could make it about Rick's return and this and that. They wanted to focus it and make it be this. You know, how strong is this love? Well, here's six episodes to explore that. That's what this is about. It would be unrealistic if we didn't go that route. Right. Well, but then including elements to emphasize that, like the dream, the quote unquote dream sequences, etc. That's, I'm that's still that's sus about. about the dream sequences, man. I, <laughs> I just know it's going to end up being a Bobby Ewing type thing. No, no. Kirkman's already <laughs> said it will never end like that. <laughs> oh, no. Like a new heart thing? Like, yeah, yeah like a... Rick wakes up from the coma. Dallas. And... It's a, it was a Dallas before it was new heart. Dave. Was it Dallas? I thought new heart mm -hmm. came first. No, it was no. Dallas first. No, Dallas, oh, okay. Dallas did it. Simpsons did it. Dallas did it. <laughs> All this stuff, you know, it's like action and rageful. Love. 
Blah blah. What happened? So she it was kind of like probably I'm possibly I've watched more love stories than them in my life possibly, and so it's just <laughs> that thing about how. Um, Tell us the homework. No, oh God, you guys are the ones who put that out there. I don't know why, but yes, there was um, this aspect of how to you know through line what makes the story important to tell is the epic love that's what makes that's what sets it apart from the rest of the universe and so it was really about and we all understood that wait you mean book of carol isn't all about the love story between daryl and carol wasn't love actually a love story <laughs> you, yes. you could feel that it's like on the tip of the tongue like, yes. like guys i was in uh, love actually guys <laughs> it was really about how do we how do we make sure that's a part of every single scene every single motive every single action going on throughout six episodes the homework he has mentioned <laughs> spill whoa okay i'm looking for a specific reaction that i had by the way <laughs> i laughed very loudly and uncomfortably at one thing she says that is definitely audible and I'm trying to remember where that moment is. Oh, <laughs> and, we're going to hear you? Yeah. And nobody else laughed as loudly as I did. It was like, like, like that. <laughs> and oh, nobody boy. else was laughing as hard as I was, like, at all. It was, like, deathly quiet. Were you so, standing on top of the chair at this point, or did you just wait till the end? I was shrinking. No, that was at the end. But oh. I was shrinking in my seat after I did that. <laughs> I needed a uh, visual aid, so to speak. To help my young, my kids. Yeah, now yeah. getting worried. Yeah, I'm getting, I'm I get a white boy. Okay, okay, okay. It was Bridgerton. It was Bridgerton. Okay. Bridgerton. <laughs> so not those scenes. It's a pretty good series, by the way. Talky scenes, but like. There were a few. No, no, I did not send those. I had to send them like <laughs> some scenes where you could see. What I liked about Bridgerton was nothing to do with our world, nothing at all. But what I like about it is that it accomplishes what it proposes in the sense that it is very much a love story where characters are often not necessarily working towards their goals, but it's very clear what they want and that the love is going to win, you know? So I just wanted to just, just, just soften the hardness between the ears here and just get them a little into the idea of what love, like how that was done well. So I just sent them a couple scenes. That's all I did. There was no way these two were going to watch the whole, ep the whole episode. Not a chance. And I sent, I sent the love actually scene back. <laughs> <laughs> that was, no, no, that was no. not a love example we wanted <laughs> in our show. He's a bit of a stalker. I grant yeah. You. All right. Well, I, I just want to emphasize here that <laughs> I love this, though, because she's saying mechanically what they're trying to emulate for the ones who live is basically the, the heart of the, of the story is the love story, but not everybody's working adequately towards that goal. So we, we're going to see that in the series. It's a good thing to drop a pin in so that was this one thing we did but it was a lot of debating and um and a lot of agreeing i think we agreed more than we debated yeah yeah and then it was really about that whole process of oh well we debated well i won't talk about that but um we agreed <laughs> a lot about a lot of things and then you know if we debated um things we can't talk about we can't talk about I think there was a lot of momentum to what we were doing, and I think we were getting excited. Like, it was really building itself really well. I think we debated stuff and just figured it out. I don't know. I don't remember. I think we debated more in production sometimes. <laughs> yeah, we did. That's fun. I think lunch was always difficult. <laughs> yeah. I was in oh, charge true. of craft service, so. Yeah. That's true, that's true. A shoestring budget. I, I, yeah. I will say we laughed 
a lot. Yeah, that's great. We, we would get into some, sort, some, some runs of just joking around that would last too long and we'd have to bring it back, but. It's a family thing though, because yeah. I think we're very close friends. It was fun. It was like, it was something, you know, you wanted to go do with, you know, cause it was like, these are my friends and we're getting to create something together. And I think that was something that at that point, it was, it's a really awesome arc to have taken, to have started off, you know, when I came in season three and I was just trying to, you know, meet the, the expectations of this massive character on the, on the page and deliver for a show that had been so beautifully built by such blood, sweat and tears from these guys. And then to get to the point where you're creating, you know, crafting a story together, making all the decisions together and being able to apply all that you learned throughout those years and being able to write an episode that was nothing I'd ever planned to ever do, mm. but there I was doing it. So it's been quite an arc. Yeah, Denai writes episode four and, and uh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm just, I'm, listen, I'm going to just give a tiny spoiler. You guys are going to freak out when you watch that episode. <laughs> all I'm going to say, you're going to freak out. What, did, did I, I, I would actually go even further, though, and Sorry, say... Sorry, Rachel. Did I wrote it, but in many ways she ran it. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, I mean... It, it's amazing. I... Amazing. I was, I was there to help and to have things to bounce off of or be somewhere to bounce off things. But I'll also say... A beautiful thing about making it together was sharing the workload, frankly, because it was an intense schedule and there were a lot of challenges to this and to face it together was an incredible thing. It was a beautiful thing. Why does Rachel have her lips sealed? Because yeah. um, of the spoiler. Yeah, uh, it was <laughs> from, it's seen? an incredible episode. What was that? How, but, oh, they, but these guys suddenly have that. to be on conference She doesn't like any spoilers whatsoever. Oh, don't tell her Judith dies then. Going through. Mm production design, wardrobe, and props, and everything. It, they got to see the other side of the curtain. It was great, though, because we did have, we, ha we, we collected maybe 12 people from family from the old show in key positions. And then we had this amazing crew from around here, that you, this camera crew that were phenomenal, new DPs. And so the look of it, as you see, was a little bit different. I loved it. But it was. It we'll was, talk about it more it tomorrow. Stunning. It was an amazing thing to watch, my friend right kind of coordinate the whole thing as while playing this amazing role but also show running this thing as well which was phenomenal and it really was and also testament to mike slovitz yeah. our director yeah. who without whom he was brilliant he knew the show inside out and mikey satrazimus who came for the last two as well you know yeah. amazing that was me <laughs> i started the clap train on that just want to speak because he, he had heard me clap, and he goes, yeah, yeah you can clap. <laughs> Mikey. Wow, and he talked to you. Yeah, by way of his hands. He used his hands to communicate with me, just me. Amazing, guys. I mean, it was funny, because he, he, he basically said, she's show running this. So everyone had to come to, came to me for everything, <laughs> and which was great, because I, I wanted it. I was like, yeah, come to me, come to me. This one day, uh, me and Denise were arguing about something about my costume. And she's like, she's like, oh, but Gimple's gonna think da 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 And I'm thinking, no, we're arguing and arguing and arguing. And then I said, oh, wait, 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 wait. Who's the showrunner of this episode again? Wow. Wow, she turned Denise Huth. 
Oh, yeah. Turned her. She had to go sit down. Love Denise Huth, by the way. That's my girl. It was a stepping in and out of things a lot, but it was actually a really awesome experience. It was extremely intense doing a tone meeting at 9 a.m. after being up at 3 a.m. for a job and wow. to act in a whole other episode. It was very, very intense, but I, 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 I did love it. I remember where there was like a, a, a dead person, as there are many in our show. There's <laughs> a, a dead person. As there are many. In the corner, and, and I was like... She wasn't dead enough. She didn't look dead enough. She wasn't dead and, enough. And, I, I and was... I, so I, I had to jump on a character. I was like, where's special effects makeup? I was like, she needs to look three weeks dead. She looks three days dead. <laughs> <laughs> and then jump back into the show. But yeah, no, I actually, it was really cool. And this man was very gracious unto my specificity. <laughs> as he put it. Oh, my God. You're... I'm not even allowed to talk about it. I have to take some notes from the... They need Rachel. Ray said they need me on set. I, they do. That's exactly what I thought when they said that. Go, get Rachel. Get looks that kill me on Instagram. Go, go looks that kill me. Follow Rachel's face-making journey and other things. Writer on that episode? There was a, there was a, it was a, a very much a sort of lost in translation across the Atlantic. A couple of notes from my showrunner. <laughs> <laughs> That were more Britain, more. <laughs> you, you took the notes. I well. took the notes very, very well. I, I like to think. <laughs> you did. Thank you. Well, you very you much. mentioned something, Andy, that, that I think is worth exploring a little bit. How you talked about how there's a little bit of a different feel to the show, and I'm sure you guys must have had discussions about this because how do you keep the DNA of a franchise that people love while also making it still feel fresh and a little bit different and having it evolve somewhat? What was the sort of the balance in terms of? You do what they did in the first episode. You, you gave them, what is it, Sharon? You gave them fan service. You, lots, you, of, lots of dream sequences. <laughs> we need more. We need those in every episode. I swear if they open up a shower and Bobby Ewing is there, I'm done. Uh, unless it's a zombie Bobby Ewing, and then I'll be like, okay. It was okay, all I, a dream. I get it. it. All There's a, a humor in it. <laughs> Making it feel familiar, but not too familiar. Well, I mean, I think we were really lucky that the situations the characters find themselves in are so different to their experience. It was like nothing either of these characters had faced before or had been a part of before. So that in and of itself was something that made it different. The other thing is what Denai says, which is the reason this was an epic love story, we were focused on these two characters and almost the character that their love is, that they are together. And that's the thing. I mean, in, in Walking Dead, the original series, I felt like we were telling a lot of different stories at the same time because I wanted all of those characters, and we had a lot of them, to have an arc every season, a meaningful arc, and hopefully they interwove. But we would never have six episodes straight on of the same two characters. Which, by the way, was, was the hamstring of season eight, right? I mean, a lot of the flack Scott took for that season was because the Game of Thrones conundrum. Too many characters to focus on. You, you feel like you're not getting everybody's stories at the same time. You feel like, oh, this person des deserves more. Character stories were lost. Like, Jesus is... There was also a lot of really bad storylines in season eight. Well, it's like, it's like, which baby do you sacrifice, right? And so, you know, you can argue that they sacrificed the wrong children, you know, because each storyline, each narrative is, is a... Like, is I'll, a, I'll give you one, one little side note. A friend of mine was at this premiere, and uh, he came up to me afterwards, and his name is Floss. He's friends with, like, Michael James Shaw and Chad Coleman and stuff. He's been bitching to me about uh, fear, 
the whole oh, like God. this whole last season. He would send me messages. What are they doing? What are they doing? What are they doing? So he comes up to me after this, and he's like, "Yo, I just went up to Scott Gimple, and Scott Gimple kind of knows him a little bit." So okay. he says to me, "He says, I said, Yo, Scott, you f***ed up." <laughs> And 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 he said Scott looked at him and said fear and and he just nodded his head. That's what I heard. So for those of you in the audience, I had my mouth agape the entire time. He said that. <laughs> this is crazy. I'm sure it's not the first time he's gotten that too, though. <laughs> so. No, but he said he knew right away. He's like fear, and he's like, yep. I wish AMC gave them the the runway to to because I you know what. I had a feeling that, that that season would have been that much better if it had the, the full 16. I totally forget the question, but I feel... <laughs> a lot of that happening. I may have answered it. Around here. You mentioned the, the crew, and you guys did have a lot of crew people from the original Walking Dead show, but you had a lot of new people too. You were shooting up here in New Jersey. What was the adjustment like from shooting in uh, August in Georgia to January in New Jersey, Deny? I want Deny to... <laughs> I didn't like it. I, listen, I'm a New Yorker. I live right over there in Brooklyn, okay? I love the city. But, but I hate the winter. <laughs> I hate the winter. It was weird. Like, I'm so used to running around in, like, this little tank top, these little pants in, the, in Atlanta through the summer. And here it was like, I was like, pile me up, okay? <laughs> I want seven layers. I had an electric little thing you turn on. It heats up your back. Like, I was like, no, no, no. So I, I just I don't fare well in the cold. He's British, so he's just... He doesn't Love feel well. He loves the cold. Can't That's enough his thing. So <laughs> I was struggling. I was struggling. But I loved being in the tri-state area. I loved being, you know, right near my city. But, um, yeah, that was hard for me. The, the first week we were shooting. The first week was an absolute yeah. disaster. Oh, God. I mean, it was, and I, I'm convinced it was our first AD, basically the guy that organizes everything, punishing me. Because it was night shoots. I had to chop my hand <laughs> off on day one. <laughs> which was probably the worst idea I've had in quite some time. And I remember the first day you going, if you were more of an actor, a method actor, <laughs> and more of a producer, you'd have done that for real. <laughs> and saved us a lot of time and money. But I, obviously I didn't, although this might be prosthetic. But, um, but then by the end of the week, I was, it was four in the morning, I was harnessed to the truck in that scene and uh it the was, tanker and i didn't know what was happening and everybody looked like cartman you know for <laughs> yeah i could just see their eyes and their noses and i was like why am i the clown covered in blood with wet hair i kept wetting my hair and then it started to snow i think he means kenny with the parkas he does he does mean <laughs> he does kenny. mean kenny yeah hey but kudos to the reference anyway oh <laughs> And I just He's thought, British. What does he know about to, South I, I Park? I cried at that point. <laughs> and then I thought, where the f*** is the producer? <laughs> and then I realized it was me. <laughs> yeah, I remember that day. I was there because I wasn't shooting yet, thank God. And I was just wrapped in the most yeah, thick, you left at crazy... what time? <laughs> oh, yeah, I left. Yeah. Like, I, was, I came. I, at least I witnessed your pain. I could have just been home the whole time.
and I was wrapped in just so many layers. I was just, and even then, it was so bitingly cold. I was like, this is nuts. But the, the only time, when you know it's bad, it's when Andrew Lincoln starts to say, this is bad. Because <laughs> he never complains. I can't, so, I can't wait to went, He's like, really no, no, this is really bad. This is worse than, That's when I was like, oh, God, we're in trouble. This is worse than the middle of summer in Atlanta. I went, yeah, why I'll would take, we? Yeah. I'll take the heat to the cold. Anyway. There, there are so many, okay, I shouldn't say. There, there, over the years, a number of different types of celebrities have like called asking to be walkers. Some have been athletes, and some have been musicians and actors, and they don't even want to be credited to be a walker. They just be, want to be a walker on the show. And over and over, I tell these people, I'm like, it's really hard, and it's really uncomfortable, and it sucks. <laughs> I speak from and, experience yeah. on that one. <laughs> yeah. It's really, really hard. And Where's Jeff Wagner? That's in the Georgia heat. Jeff Wagner, you here? Yeah. And when we were shooting that, <laughs> that scene with the tanker trucks in that parking lot, we all had to make an adjustment and be like, holy shit, we really need like more heating tents. We need more stuff for these walkers because this isn't Georgia. And the walkers in that scene were incredible. Yeah. And I have no idea how they, I mean, I know it was hard for you, but... <laughs> <laughs> it was harder for the walkers, yeah. But, well, the walkers had to lie on the pavement. Yeah, and they did. I just, I, yeah, the stickiness it, of the bl that blood and yeah. all that. And the cold concrete. Yeah. It's like a yeah. negative yeah. paid nearly as much. whinging about it. Yeah. <laughs> no kidding. And, like, think about the hazard, right? It's like, is this a safety issue? Are people going to get sick? <laughs> oh, yikes. <laughs> So what I'm saying is the walkers are the heroes. <laughs> Always. And the celebrities I, that want to be walkers are not. Because we've got a lot of big Walking Dead fans here. Um, Andrew Lincoln did not watch The Walking Dead because he didn't want to watch himself and the performance and maybe try and mimic what he saw, which it's is fine. Great but question. When you're an executive producer now and you have to watch edits your and give notes and have opinions, mm. you have to watch yourself on the show. So how was that? How was watching The Walking Dead? What'd you think? Absolutely hey, Kira. appalling. Right. Yeah. This is absolutely really, appalling. I, I had to, I, well, I got my, my son and my daughter to do it first, because bear, bear in mind, I mean, I could have started with the first episode and watched it when it was done, but we, this was a, a, an edit that wasn't, it's the worst time to watch that episode, is when it's not been, and there's no visual effects. There's, and so I was like, oh. Do I really have to do this? And so I got my daughter to watch it, and she went, oh, it's quite good. <laughs> and I went, okay, that's with no visual effects. And, so, and then my son went, and then I did it with one eye, then one day. <laughs> and then got through it eventually. And it was actually the other performances in it. It was the other guys who were brilliant, I thought. And um, Craig, and, who was terrific. And Craig Tate. Craig Tate. Craig Tate. Blew Craig him up. Okafor. One of my favorite deaths. I think he was wonderful. And, Spoiler alert. And, you know, and Leslie Ann Brandt and Terry O'Quinn, we got so lucky with this amazing cast. And I think that was the way in. And then actually I went, oh, that's just a weird guy with a strange accent. It's not me. And then actually I really enjoyed it. And I mean, I'm not going to do it ever again. But <laughs> well, I think you will because... You will. Season two. Because I think one of the places where you shined as an executive producer was in post-production mm -hmm. and getting into those edits 
and really digging into them and you know I had to as a showrunner. No I did love that and the, the, well, the post-production team were amazing Ryan and all that those guys the sound all of that amazing design and the care and attention through a strike I mean it was it was right. a really challenging yeah wasn't it? I mean that was the other thing we just had to step away from it for yeah. a good while and hope it was going okay. Yeah. Well it really made a monster of me I think because now I want to always be in charge. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I see, I see what a difference it makes. Cause yeah, the, you know, the edit of episode four is my edit. I grappled a little bit with AMC here and there. They had some notes. I wrote my thesis as, as to why I wasn't going to do their notes. And I think they were like, oh God, just leave her alone. I want to read another damn thesis on what, why urgency <laughs> makes no sense. Um, <laughs> so, um, and there are some adjustments we had to make. There's production limitations. There's budget limitations. So it's not like mm. my perfect edit, but it's my edit. There is no that, perfect edit. edit yeah, yeah, is. exactly. Well, one learns. So, yeah, but that experience of being like, mm, no, no, that, that's more the story. No, take that out. That's not actually change that sound. Like that experience of really putting it together and seeing the cohesion that you had in your, that your vision had. Oh yeah, it's addictive. <laughs> I just want to do it all the time. Because <laughs> you, you just see how, you know, there, there, you might see something you're in or a part of and you might get frustrated with certain things. And you see how sometimes it's just, there are a lot of details, you know, and, and it just takes the person who's really, really got the whole story in their head very deeply to get it to the finish line the way they need to. And I would say, I didn't want to just say it was just episode four. You were in on all these episodes and Andy was in on all these episodes and all of us working in post. It, it was a pretty feverish pace because once the strike ended, we could come back yeah. and go over everything. And that was another time when sort of dividing and conquering the work was critical. And we would all be working on different things at the same time. That was an incredibly lucky thing towards the way that we made this show, all three of us together, because the compression that this show had post-strike was bananas. Yeah, I was very relieved when Andy started to watch it, because it, it just felt like, we, yeah, well, we, we need you to be in here. You need to finish cooking this meal. Well, well in truth, it was, your, it was episode two that, that was the thing that made me so excited about it, because it was largely, am I allowed to say that? No. Uh, 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 Andy, ah. Uh. But yeah, well, you know what, audience, fellow hosts, kudos to Andy for watching himself. It, it's, it goes in line with what many people do when they start, like a podcast or creative endeavor, and they actually have to listen to themselves in the edit. And they have to the edit worst. themselves out. Yeah, you know exactly what I'm talking about, Bridget. Actually, I try, and if I feel like I can get away with it, I try not to listen to it at all. <laughs> and I just put it out. If I'm like, first take was great. Just go for it. If I have to do edits, then I have to listen to myself again and again and, and again. And Kira knows probably what and we're again. talking about now, too. They should let you see one and two together. Really. Talk. Yeah, but we're... we're yeah. I'm going to talk about it. It's coming out next week. What's it next week? <laughs> A week and four days. A week and four days. It's that between friends. <laughs> it's largely centric. <laughs> It's very Michonne said, which we, we kind of predicted too, right? This, the first episode was very, very, I was going to say Andy centric. Well, yeah, it was, but mm -hmm. Rick Grimes centric. And yeah, we got to backtrack and find out Michonne's journey, right? No, I said I'm bringing, I'm bringing, I saw the preview. Bring back the thumbs up. Let's bring back the thumbs up, guys. Next week, Andrew Lincoln does double guns. <laughs> jet lag, jet lag. He's jet lag. Oh, stop jet, it with the jet, jet lag. He blames jet lag for everything. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs>
Let's keep going. Permanent jet lag. All right, look, yeah, well, well, okay, we're going we're gonna to get to some audience <laughs> questions in just one second, but, uh, but let's, we can talk a little bit moving forward on what we just saw here in, in, in this before we get to the audience questions. What I find interesting about this show is that you've had all these, like, deranged lunatic villains on The Walking Dead, whether it's, you know, the governor, Negan, Alpha, whatever. I really like this question. Shout out for lunatics. Um, <laughs> but what seems to be on this show is it's more of an institution than an individual that is mm -hmm. sort of the villain. Scott, can you talk about that a little bit? Oh, man, you know no. me. Okay, let me try and do this. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Typical. Thank you. I'm going to turn the floor over to him. Yeah. Uh, it's the guy. same guy. Uh, no, I mean, it is more of an institutional. Was that you, Dave? Evil. No, it not at all. It's the same that... New Yorker guy. It. Re Dave, no, rewind it. There was a laugh. Um, I bet you that was that, you. No, I can tell you. Listen, listen. I can tell you exactly who it was, by the way. It was something Denai said. And I laughed. I burst out laughing. But, you know, let's backtrack. Can you talk about that a little bit. Oh, man, you know me. Okay, let me try and do this. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Thank you. I'm going to turn the floor over to him. Yeah. Who uh, is that guy? It is more of an institutional evil. Oh. It is something that... Mine's more like a... Like that. That's what it sounded <laughs> like. So you'll, you'll hear it. <laughs> crazy here. It has to do with pragmatism. And it has to do with a place that is worth saving. It's just how do you save it? And I was thinking a lot about really the Shane-Rick conflict early in the series and their different approaches and what those approaches would be on an institutional level. So he's talking about the CR, basically. That's where we started. It's very good. It's good. Oh, <laughs> sure. Very proud of you. Oh, very good <laughs> you do that? Okay. Very good answer, yeah. I thought. He's getting better over the years. Uh, all right, we got some questions from you guys. You want me to ask some of these? Let's throw them. See what we got? Mm -hmm. Oh, I love this one. This is a good one. All right. Uh, He's shuffling. This is yeah, from. <laughs> and there's a there's a glimmer in your eye. Uh, well, you'll see why in a second. All right. This this comes from uh, from Ethan. I'm terrible at reading handwriting, so I, apologies if I mess up anyone's name or your question. All to Andrew and Denai. What is the hardest thing about working with each other? Uh, I told you, Ethan. Oh. <laughs> Where Love is it. Ethan? Ethan's asking all the questions. No, no, no. There he is. You. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're both quite stubborn. Shall I start with that? I, mm -mm. Mm -mm, she said. I'm quite stubborn. Thank you. <laughs> this, this is where my laugh oh, comes in, it, I think. It's like a, it's like a marriage <sighs> therapy guidance. Whatever. <sighs> Thanks for that opener. Could have just okay. asked, what's your favorite kill or something? That's a great question. <laughs> to flip it into a compliment, I will say he's annoyingly always full of adrenaline and ready to roll. And I'm just like, can you just, just, and of course you've got to be right there next to him. So it doesn't like, oh, I do. So I'm like, okay, I'm like, how do I get there right now? You know, cause I'm a little few paces behind all that energy. So yeah, he's high energy at all times and that's, amazing for it's a strength the job. And, it, and it's a curse isn't it no well, it's not a curse for you it's just those no. of us who have to keep up with well, you it's all. a curse for everybody else <laughs> exactly. yeah. Yeah. but it's great it sets a great example just um i just don't do caffeine so i don't know what to do yeah <laughs> it's largely caffeine thanks ethan good question good question. 
<laughs> we got Jessica next as a question for uh, Andrew and I. You two have to play your characters for such a long time. Do you take anything on the set that you use for your everyday life? You steal any props from uh, your time on The Walking Dead? <laughs> I got my boots at the end of I'm it. Just looking so. at Denai. It's like, I don't care to answer this question. It's like a pile yeah, of well, that. At the end of this series. In that yeah. return thing, Denai, he made a big deal about her stealing her katana. Uh, that return Xfinity show, the 40-minute thing that where they go back to the set. Oh, okay, yeah. That was, was that recent? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of those things removed. Why did I say that? <laughs> I mean... Because I die. Yeah, okay. Uh, oh, oh, oh. Oh. I mean, I had my sword, but I had my sword before we shot. I finally got it during the codex shoot, so I loaned it to this production. It's all, it was on loan. Is it still on loan? Oh, you see, uh, Dalton, I haven't done this too long. <laughs> I tried, people. Yeah. <laughs> I tried. <laughs> Scott, for you, this is from Stefan or Stefan. What level of craziness should we expect for the last five episodes? Because I don't think anyone, and that's boxed, I don't think anyone mm. thought Rick and Michonne would reunite on episode one. I love this question. Well, we got you with that, didn't we? Yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. I, didn't, I didn't think it would happen so quickly. I saw people were worried they were only going to meet in episode six. I was like, yes. Right? Yes. <laughs> in uh, the one hotel near Central Park, that mm. um, conference room, mm. that's where we were really getting into that structure. Yeah. I and, like the cliffhangers. And there was a lot of tug of war, not between us. With yes, Kira, there's going to be a season two. Well, yeah, so she, what she's referring to is specifically that. If there was only going to be the one season, would they still have done it, really? It's a question. That structure. With AMC. But there was a lot of... <laughs> She says it. She says it. We had to fight AMC to get that in the first episode because they were like, nah, don't make them. No, I think I think Kira's saying if season two was off the table, Denai would have said, I got my katana back. Oh, oh, OK. That's why Dalton asked that question. Is it still on loan? Right, right. Because he wanted to know if there was going to be a season two. Right. And she would have, if there wasn't, she would have said no. Oh, we, pa we paused in the worst phase. <laughs> I, just I right love now. it personally. <laughs> it was great. That looks like Sherindy when her internet goes out. Oh, basically, <laughs> it could it could have been anybody? She calls it AMC, we... basically. AMC, I don't care. Uh, that... I don't care. But then what the AMC said to me at the premiere in LA, he was like, "That was great, what you guys decided to do with that." It's like, yeah, aren't you glad we didn't listen to you? <laughs> Shots fired. <laughs> and because at the end of the day, it benefits everybody. Oh. Heather, oh, Heather, Heather tipped us five dollars on this. Wow, does that mean I get a, I get a dollar twenty five? We actually take five dollars from oh. you, a whole five, because just because Heather, actually Heather, give us more money so we could take more money from Thomas. <laughs> just kidding. Actually, checks in the mail. <laughs> and and to get back to the last I give question, Thomas fifty. Uh, Denai is personally absolutely stubborn, but but. Oh, she just sent okay. me 20 bucks. But this is it, by the way. This is it. <laughs> so I'm sorry. Hold on a second. <laughs> Scott says, Tanai is totally stubborn. And I like, I burst. I think this is it. You guffawed. <laughs> and, and, and to get back to the last question, uh, Denai is absolutely stubborn. But, but that is what makes her an amazing producer and a force of nature. Yeah. And she does 
through this production, it was definitely that at though. points was an immovable object for the production, and uh, it was critical. And, and coming up with some really unique solutions to problems that I'm not going to bring up now. But that <laughs> helped Steph out a lot. Is it Stefan or Stefan? All right, there you are. And then level of craziness. I'm sorry, level of craziness. Uh, uh, Isn't that sweet, by the way? He just stops the whole answer and he goes, it's Stefan, yeah. right? Uh, 10 out of 10 level of craziness. It gets crazy. Oh, Andy, you were pushing that a little bit, weren't you? I know you wanted this to be, if you were going to come back, you wanted to be bold. You wanted to take some risks. You wanted to go big. Yeah, I think so. Well, I, I, I chop up the other hand. <laughs> <laughs> and then, then he moves on to the feet. Then the feet. Yeah. And then it's a mind looking so disappointed. No. It's terrible. Yeah. Terrible idea. Every, every solution to an action problem is, is cutting off. It's like legs. a game of hangman. Uh, all right. Uh, Especially in episode four. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. That's just too much. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Next question's from Tabitha. Man, I have a prediction for that episode. But I'm sexy. I, that's kind of what I, where I was going, right? Like, that's but like I was very thinking. graphic. Anyway. Well, yeah, but you're not going to see his appendage. I don't know. He said bold and take risks. <laughs> no, no, no. You will not see. Penis, He's British. Penis. <laughs> Anyway, that's what I'm. I am literally going to say that if I see a penis, I'm going to record it too. Record my reaction. Make sure you point and point. Yeah, penis. Who has a question for Andy? How did it feel to bring back the southern accent? Oh, <laughs> it was quite weird being in New Jersey. And <laughs> come on, man. So come I kind of would Jersey. go, yo, Joe, cuz or whatever. That sounds literally nothing like this, New Jersey. And I died. It was quite, you know. It doesn't sound like that. How was he? Not even close. Joyce not remotely close. Oh, Dalton's called you. Let's go. Come on, you're you're a no, no. There's two Jersey boys over here. I'm not doing it. He made some tight Jersey friends, though. I mean, I did. Mahoney. Mahoney. He's like my cuz. He got. He got. He got me in velour, full velour, one day. And the shades. I had the proper. I'll post about. You'll see it. Actually, actually don't. I'm doing it. I don't listen to him about what I post because he won't post. So people come to me and say, post fucking, what's going on with Andy? What's going on? So I like have to do what I have to do. Okay. So I'll make the decisions on what to post about. Yeah. She delivers too, by the way. You left me no choice. <laughs> I haven't seen that velour picture. Yet. We could just film this now and it could be episode seven. Yeah. <laughs> Beyond live the in front of a studio audience. <laughs> yeah, yeah, live. Exactly. You wanted to do a. He wanted to do a live oh, he episode. Did. That's right. He did. I'm not, I'm not giving How up on that work. He did. You know what? Actually, there was a brief moment, and you might remember this, where I was like, "Episode four should be live." You did say yeah. that, and I said, "Go sit down somewhere." <laughs> <laughs> not Definitely work. a sex scene. In We're going to do a live episode yeah. of Walking Dead. Graphic, graphic, piece <laughs> live stream. Hold them to it. Episode four. I mean, it could be amazing. And you did take a second to get the accent back, though. It's been a few years. Like, did you have to like? Yeah, yeah. it did because I mean, you could hear it. Thing was transitioning in his first lines of dialogue. When I was producing, that it wasn't I had quite this stupid voice. Back where it then, needed to be. And then he gets one there, day but... I showed up to work and started. And, and Denise, our lovely executive producer, Denise, she just went, "Oh, just ignore him. That's what he does now. He's gonna be. He's gonna be in Southern for the rest of the shoot." And everyone's like, "Really?" And they went, "Yeah." 
that's he's got he's gone yeah. that's the way it and it was the deep it was adrian who was so lovely he was just going okay <laughs> like this he didn't know who had arrived adrian it was, was our uh, director of photography yeah well, i mean it was weird because like he would stay in it all the time and then when, one day we went for theater yeah, and a out, didn't I? dinner and i sat down and he was british again yeah and i was like oh, she was yeah it's jarring you were like don't do that he said, oh, give me a break. Just let me have it. Yeah, let me have some pasta. Let me just, and then... let me just be a little British and have some pasta. Instead of pasta. Some pasta. Pasta. Yeah. Pasta. They say pasta. Everything else is all. The Midwest does that too. Pasta, right? I know. That doesn't make sense. It doesn't. No. They also say zebra. <laughs> Literally listen to you guys do accents all night long. It's just like a traveling road show. All right. Next question comes from Andy Burt. Andy Burt, uh, oh, you guys are going to have to Any relation, Rachel? the mental Rolodex on this one a little bit. Yeah. Uh, for both Denai <laughs> and Andy. Denai, you can go first. When did you think was the moment when Michonne fell in love with Rick and vice versa? And speaking of love, happy belated birthday slash Valentine's Day to Denai. Yeah! Uber fan. Yeah. Birthday girl right there. Hmm. When did it first happen? Michonne fell in love with Rick. I used to know this. You know, it, I think the thing you could hear the Rashawnas go, "Come on, don't let us down! <laughs> don't, don't let us down! We, we know it. Why don't you? Because it's fake. <laughs> Sorry, it's not real. It's not real. <laughs> you should have been with Jesse. Ew. You said that a lot. <laughs> Which, by the way, I finally saw the comic panel of how that goes down. It's like, whoa, brutal, brutal, so brutal thing that made her fall fall in love with him it was a line that i asked to have added when on in his last episode season nine what was it 905 he's in a hallucination and she's saying you know the reason why i fell in love with you or something is because you're a fighter and you you never stop fighting. something like that y'all know the line right y'all are hardcore fans it's a good, it's a good line i yeah um line. so you know i'd asked i'd asked angela if i could put that in because i thought that was so specific about her love for him i think it really is based on that moment when they're rushing Carl when he's been shot and they're rushing him through the zombies like by then I think she's I think yeah I think she's in love with him by then she doesn't know it well they're a family by then aren't yeah they as well? she doesn't know it but the thing that she loves is the fact that he is someone oh you know what I think I know the moment I think I know where, <laughs> where it started to they, sh they started were in a family then he was that was Jesse time. <laughs> he, he had literally just chopped Jesse's hand right. off before that right exactly so, uh, uh, but maybe that was it though she's like oh damn damn savage mm. but no she was like fishing and she's like oh now i found it for her not consciously it's when he bit out that guy's throat mm. how romantic that's when i thought oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that would be you right yeah that's what a man does for his family you know and to see that she's like oh Kira, we all have placeholders in life. <laughs> Kira, don't go there. Jesse was Jesse was Rick's woman. Yeah, and Rachel says he quote unquote severed ties with Jesse. <laughs> I think wow. that was that was it. That was so, somebody should recut that sequence uh, with the song Dreamweaver. Dreamweaver. Andy? No, not a Dreamweaver reference. No idea how to follow that. No, the greatest answer. That was it. That I was the us. moment when he bit the man's yeah. throat out. The, wow. Well, Norman seems to say that I was checking you out. You're in once. Uh, you know, I think he. I think he was right. I might have been, but I, that was way back. It wasn't it. 
quite... That was season three. Yeah, maybe then. <laughs> it's and just Andy checking her out. I was like, his wife just died. Of course, he is a dude, so that wouldn't make any difference. <laughs> well, everybody checked Lori out. So, Well, Lori kind of checked out. <laughs> also... <laughs> In in, in, Rick, in in Andy's voice, I'm like, Rick didn't bite that guy's throat out. He he dined on his esophagus. <laughs> he dined on his carotid. <laughs> <laughs> she was eaten. Thank God. <laughs> we met. That's after. the height of bad manners, I would say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> oh my god. We'll, we'll leave that one there. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Danny has a question for Denai. We talked about this a little bit, but Danny wants to know what the process was like to writing episode four. And so what I'm going to do is sort of uh, expand on that question a little bit tonight, because as I think most of you know, Denai Guerrero, extremely accomplished playwright. <laughs> Incredible shows on the Broadway and off Broadway. You know how to write. How was this different than that? How was writing for the screen different from writing on the stage, if at all? Well, I've, I've written a bunch of teleplays at this point. It's just a question of which one actually makes it to the screen. It was different because there is an aspect to for, to this episode that required, uh, I can't say that, so. Uh, I will say it was tricky to, it was interestingly tricky to step into their voices, even though I had their emotions clear. So it was an interesting journey to really find that connection, uh, that, that, that sort of how emotions that strong are expressed to these in this particular world to these particular people. So that was kind of the calibration that was going on. And then there's also the calibration of the fact that in television, things shift in an episode before, you know, so you're seeing there's, oh, that's happening now in three? Okay, that affects four. So like, you know, there's all that sort of tying together that has to constantly happen as well. Then I got to the point where initially- It's gonna like, be a sex scene with tying? With bondage? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What she's saying is actually pretty interesting because I find that often people that really, really do good story craft sometimes have trouble with dialogue or finding what that character would say in that moment. Chuck Blahnik has that issue sometimes. Even Robert Kirkman in the original comic, I think. I'm not a professional writer or anything, but I can say from my own experience, I am much better at crafting the overall story and laying it out than I am at working dialogue, especially in a screenplay type. If I'm working on the actual work of fiction, it's different. Dialogue's a little easier to do. But when you're writing for a screenplay, it's a lot different. And I'm not very good at dialogue. I'm very good at laying right. out the scenes and, and making, coming up with ideas. But I'm terrible at the actual words that come out of people's faces. Yeah, yeah. And not only that, but kind of like what we learned with fear is that when you're saying something, when a character is saying something, there it has to have relevance. It has to have impact. It can't just be a thing to say the thing, and it can't be just a casual, oh, hello, hi, how right, are you? It has to lead somewhere. I really don't have a problem with that aspect of it either. It's crafting what that character would say in a, how in they a would way say that, it. in a way that doesn't sound like a, a clunky writer writing it. You know, <laughs> like right. making it sound natural is is a lot is very difficult. Right. It has to translate off the page too, because you can write till you're blue in the face, but if the delivery is off because the director is maybe directing them in a different way than you initially intended, you're not often the screenwriter and the director. Right. So all of that has to come across somehow through many different people. Yeah. 
And something, so a pin that was dropped earlier was that they said something about discovering things during production too, which happens. And so sometimes you make adjustments on the fly. I remember, right, like the story of Die Hard was that way. They would get the script as the movie was Best being filmed. Christmas movie ever. Yeah, true. true. I well, agree yeah, with because that. it's based on it's based on a novel, and and there was a previous movie that had already been done. Right. right. So there was groundwork that they could play off of. Technically, it's a sequel to the first one, which was not called Die Hard. original movie. Right, and it was vastly different from the, from right. the Frank original. Frank Sinatra was, origi- Frank Sinatra original. played the original. I forget the name, it's, written, it's from a book. Oh, that's a, it's from a book, and I cannot remember the name of the book, but they adapted it into a movie with Frank Sinatra. Either. And one of the if fun things... you have things, to go that far back, it doesn't count. One of the fun things is when they were, when they were casting John McClane, they contractually had to offer it to Frank Sinatra first. Roderick Thorpe is the author. I can't remember the name of the book, though. You, you can get a good eyeful of this from the, I think it was a Netflix series, The Movies That Made Us. It is a good, good, good dive into that into that movie. But anyway, back to the point is that in production, you'll find out sometimes dialogue doesn't work. Sometimes the story doesn't work, especially when you're trying to connect it. Sometimes they have continuity people that will track you know, where the story is going, what they filmed and how it connects to different episodes and it won't work. And they have to kind of make it tighter. They have to go back post-production, et cetera. So I'm glad to hear that, th- that we got that little bit of nugget that things were changed on the fly to kind of make it that much better. And maybe even the dialogue too. So eh, I'm curious to see what, what we see. I was like, Dana, can you please write four? Like Gimple's like, oh, there's a lot, it's a lot. So I was like, okay, fine, I'll write four. And then I was like, ah, here, just do it. And then after a while, I was like, no, no, no. Actually, after after going into it and deep and getting more and more invo- like in it and doing it more and more and more as it was, gets built as an episode, I was like, my precious, you know. <laughs> so like a lot of times, showrunners get. To- Wait, Jesse's here. On- oh, yeah, just kidding. <laughs> to have the Love. final draft filed to do whatever they want with. He never touched that draft. I was like, no. Well, I, p- I pitch things. You, you would pitch things to yeah. me and I would choose it and say yes or no. But I, I was, it was my precious at that point. So I didn't do it the way I guess most writers under a showrunner would do it because I'm a playwright and playwrights are very much, they own what they write in a way that isn't as, um, open to someone else just writing on their script. Collaboration. And you're an executive producer in the show, and you were coming in with a a lot of authority on that. Yeah, and I mean, you know, there were were pitches that I thought, okay, that could be, I could try that. I'm always open to, I'm always collaborative. But then there were pitches where, I remember one pitch you gave, and I was very, I can't talk about it, guys, sorry. It's so hard. Watch the episode, (laughs) we'll come back here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's meet back in and three weeks. once y'all see the episode, we'll have a good chat. We'll have a great chat. It's hard to talk about it without it because it is very singular in, in what it needs to do. Just show it already. Yeah, I'll just put it. Just throw it on there. Show it already. Do it. So yeah, it was, it was an intense journey. Of course, I wanted this gentleman to be happy. And I also wanted to give him a workout. Oh. Because he's such a great actor. So I wanted to put a lot... On his plate. Definitely sexy. Um, <laughs> Definitely sexy. That's why I was also trying to. Uh, it was a lot sure. of words, wasn't it? Yeah, you were good. good words, but a lot of words. You were good. And, and, good. You got it. You're from theater. And I would say of that episode you just saw, a lot of those words that Rick says, you know, in that helicopter were Andy's. Yeah. The 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 whole thing about the father and the burning of the barn and all that stuff. I was just thinking of the beginning of the scene where the guy's like, You haven't been talking much. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Saying exactly nothing. All right, fine, I'll give you a story. Here's a story. But this is a pretty good nugget though. 
that's oh yeah but that was just me riffing and then you turned it into something much better i, I don't i can't write i can't write it was mostly you sir he's a very strong storyteller he probably would I'm write good, if you I'm, had to i'm good no i because they all sound the same they all sound like a weird british guy <laughs> was it good did you like the? did you thank you <laughs> i loved it it wasn't me it was him <laughs> No, no, he came up with that whole narrative of the father in the barn and the burning. Yeah. That was all I, I wanted to call the episode The Burning, but it was too obvious. <laughs> too Those are the great and, ideas and I come up with. And Stephen already took that title. Oh, yes, he did. Mm. Stephen King. All right, we saved the most important question for last. It comes from Anthony, who says, Rick and Michonne almost share a pizza this episode. Did you try any great New Jersey pizza? <laughs> okay. <laughs> we need to stop right here and just say, and I don't know if everybody's going to agree with me. New York pizza is better than Jersey. I disagree. I think New Jersey pizza is, is better than New York. Oh, no, not even close. It's the same pizza. It's just, you know, no, same no, immigrants. No. <laughs> well, no, Dave, you know my no. feelings on New Jersey pizza because oh, we had, had a, a really long conversation about it. No, at your dinner table, you, me, and Evelyn Take talked about you it. Won't. I was like, I, we were eating pizza from New York. And I was like, this reminds me of the pizza that I grew up eating. And there's like one pizza restaurant in North Carolina. And it's weird. And I like go on to describe the atmosphere. And you and Evelyn were like, that's a New Jersey pizza parlor. <laughs> and I was like, I've never been to New Jersey. I've never, I, I don't know why there life. was one in North Carolina, but there was. Oh, I wait a minute. It. Nothing beats New York pizza. I, I just, it's the same pizza. No, you go, you've gone to the wrong places. <laughs> Maybe he's gone to the right places. Well, I grew up in Jersey for a little while, and so... So your taste buds are already shot. <laughs> My wife would say the same thing. She'd be like, Jersey sucks. And I'm like, you're from Queens, bitch. <laughs> so that's a very regional specific joke. I apologize in advance for those who don't get it. Queens is awful. Don't drive in Queens. Right, Thomas, it's like 92nd Lane... 92nd Road. Oh, yeah. That's, that's so annoying. Yeah. 52nd Street, 52nd Road, 52nd Avenue. And they're all within like a block of each other. feet of each other. It's, and it's all like that. It's like, what the? Why? Why did you do this, Queens? We have a town here called Hickory. Their streets are named, I'm not even joking, Trees? 17th Hickory? Road Dock? Street. 17 Road, like, 14th Street. 17th Street, East Road. Or, I mean, it's like 21st Northeast circle like what the f who named these roads and they'll just turn into something else without like any notification or anything it's just a different road terrible yeah it just turns into something else but you know what that's, that's it's one thing if you're like out in wherever but like you're in new york city technically queens is new york city there's a there's an expectation to, to kira's point she's she's also a jersey girl and, and we we were on the same page i'm all about the diner that's the that's the New Jersey thing. It me. totally is. Yeah. The, tic, the TikTok, TikTok diner. TikTok diner. Route three. Fried chicken. He did always go there. What was that thing I, you always got? What? Right off of Route three. Fried chicken. It was great. Yeah. Absolutely I was avoiding amazing. the diners, but I found the best East African food in Jersey. By the way, it's <laughs> like happy as pie up in there with that East African food. It's a Kenyan, it's going to Swahili village or something. I can't remember what it's called, but it's incredible food, so. Yeah, big shout out to the Montclair Diner. Hey, now we're talking, now we're talking. <laughs> That's He's my a pass by those. Right my peeps out there. Great food in Jersey, great food. He's a pass by those places all the time, going back and forth, visiting my grandmother in uh, Brooklyn. So, so crazy. Thank you so much yeah, guys for coming. You, Scott Kimple, Denai Gadana. Andrew Lakin, Walking Dead and Lonesome Land.
All right, Bridget, go to bed. I'm not going to bed. <laughs> I just, my head is hurting so much. And I've taken so, like, an unhealthy amount of ibuprofen. <laughs> oh, no. I'm genuinely concerned. Is it like I sinus have pressure? I blood pressure cough because I was like, am I having some sort of blood pressure issue? Am I having, like, a stroke? It's, my blood pressure is fine, so I don't know what the issue is. It's just you. It's, just, it's psychosomatic. It's it's all the the love Thomas didn't get <laughs> poured into you. No, I got I got I got some love, just not from just from, Yeah, well, that's what counts, though. Oh, see, Jan M is from New Jersey. Yes, exactly. New York, uh, New Jersey. New York. And Jan agrees that New York pizza is New best. Jersey's <laughs> just no. done better. You complain not about the food close. in every state. <laughs> that's horrible to hear. Uh, well, you know. Are you drinking, Are you drinking your, your water? water? Yes, I've drank. She's two drinking of these. her casino casino two cup. Of these, yeah, but that's I not drink, a paint. I drink. That's 40, not a paint can cup, right? It's not I a drank paint bucket. Forty ounces earlier today because I finished my Stanley. Oh, you did a forty. I mean, that <laughs> might be why you have one out. <laughs> too much water. You could be too much water. There is such a thing. There too is. I drink hydro, a lot of water in something. a day, so this is like not out of the normal realm for me. Well, let's sign off, everybody, because we, we reached past the two-hour mark. Relishing the Dead just jumped on, I hope, yeah, I think, maybe. I think so. We're going to go find out. So, folks, thank you for joining us for this reaction video. I hope you really, really enjoyed this Q&A from the 92Y Kaufman Theater featuring uh, moderator Dalton Ross and uh, with Andy Lincoln, Denai Guerrero, and Scott M. Gimble. Wait, hold on. I told Heather I was going to strip. So No, oh. but she, you're I mean, not getting just... money for it, so it would be a waste. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking of all the dares I've taken on this on these streams. Like, oh, okay, fifteen dollars gets you a nipple, and no, it's not happening. But uh, really, nah, not. I have today. two. Well, we both have two, right? And then when we touch them together, hey guys, have a have a good night. <laughs> Love you guys. This got weird. Bye. We'll see you tomorrow. For uh, we're going to be recording tomorrow our full episode breakdown of the Walking Dead: The Ones Who Live series premiere. Join us. We'll be posting those details on Kofi and Patreon when they're available. By the way, it's free to join and free to follow us on either platform, and it's free to attend these recording sessions. So think about it. You should join us at ko-fi.com slash dead or patreon.com slash dead just to get the inside information that we don't post publicly on social media. And as always, thank you for joining us. And uh, hopefully we'll have much more content for you to come, including some really cool things that we're working on. Hopefully, fortunately, we can't do all the things that we love to do behind the scenes for this particular run, hopefully, because we'll get some screeners. But we're still going to give you some extra stuff as much as we can along the way. I love using my hands before we go. And thank you for joining us, Jen, right, right at the end. You should backtrack and, and see this the reaction that we did. If you were here the whole time, thank you. And thank you, everybody, for joining us. We'll see you very soon. Dave, what are you, you going to say after episode four? I guess we'll find out. <laughs> Penis! <laughs> I've been your host, David Cameo, and I was joined by Sharon D, a.k.a. Blazy Gardner, and... Bridget, a.k.a. Punky Brewster, that's ko-fi.com slash P-U-N-K-Y-B-R-U-I-S-E-T-E-R and Thomas at Celtic TSO on all the social medias. Thank you for joining us, Thomas. That was really fun. It was fun. Thank then you for last week me. and now. Thanks, Thomas. In New Jersey. Thanks for the love, Takira. Ah, uh, see, he comes around <laughs> eventually. That's This is how we form bonds through struggle. <laughs> Have a good night, everybody. We'll see you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.